Hello. Good afternoon. How you doing? Hi, Charles. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. For those of you who are watching live and watching the replay, this is the first episode of the Cope Life podcast interview series. So what I've been doing for the Cope Life podcast is just picking a topic to go over and really giving you my two cents for about 15 or 20 minutes, audio only. And I've decided that now's the time really to use this platform to bring other people's stories to life. Because the truth is, so many of us have so much to share, and so many of us really could use, you know, the, the powerful words and stories of others to help us. And so I am just, I'm so grateful. I'm so excited to have my first guest here, Chrissy Marie. She is someone, let me tell you, about 10 years ago, no, no, I guess we met about 12 or 13 years ago in Naples, Italy, and... um. So she'll tell you about her family, but I will just start off by saying that her youngest daughter and my middle daughter were in second grade together. And so now they're both adults and here we are over a decade later. I'm excited. And um, I just want to introduce you guys to Chrissy. How are you doing, love? Why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us about you? Thank you. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm so blessed to be here. Um, before I start and tell you about myself, I just wanted to say thank you. Charles, I appreciate you. I'm beyond honored um, and very humbled to have been chosen to join you today and for the opportunity to share my journey with others. So thank you. Uh, Who am I? Um, I'm Chrissy. I am a woman of God, a single mom soldier, world traveler, avid foodie, and lover of life and people. Um, I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area currently residing in San Diego, California. I am a corporate mom as well as run my own business, which we'll discuss later in the podcast. Um, I believe in the power of prayer, positivity, living life loudly and serving others along the way. Thank you for that. Oh, and it's, it's, you know, when you say those things, it really makes me happy because I know your heart, I know your spirit, but at the same time, when I hear you say it, I'm like blown away, even though you're telling me what I already know about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm excited to be here with you and have this conversation with you. But at the same time, the truth is your story isn't isn't the happiest one. It's not the story that we all want to experience. And so I'm grateful for you to be here to share your story. And so I'm going to ask you. Just tell us your story and how you got here. But what I want you to do is to take your time, as much time as you need, five minutes or 50, it doesn't matter, um, and really just express yourself and tell us how you got to where you are now. Tell us your story. Thank you. So um, to start off, I am a mother of three, Darius, who is my forever 23-year-old guardian angel, a.k.a. King B., Jaden, who is my 21-year-old son, a.k.a. Wild Child, and Naya, who is my 18-year-old sweet-spirited women activist daughter. Um, so to begin our story, my kids and I went through a traumatic divorce um, several years ago where we had been financially and emotionally abused ongoing, uh, followed by abandonment. Uh, this 
particular life event over a course of several years uh, resulted in my kids and I becoming a very cohesive team and best friends. Um, I personally became more rooted in God and grew strength that I didn't know existed during the storms that we weathered. Um, after overcoming the divorce, the kids and I, um, you know, resumed life. We were living in cruise control, just enjoying life and actually living versus surviving for about four years. And, um, you know, just we traveled, we um, had fun, we blessed other people with our home. Uh, just, you know, life had really um, been on an up upswing, if you will. And then we were comfortable there, of course, you know, thinking, okay, the worst is behind us. Nothing else can happen because at this point in time, you know, during the divorce, um, my now 21 year old also became an at risk youth. The divorce um, disrupted him specifically the most out of the four of us. And so I was then managing the divorce, the kids, the home, being a corporate mom and an at risk youth. So after overcoming all of that together, um, you know, we thought, hey, life is in cruise control. Nothing else can happen. You know, God's got us and, and it's going to be great from here on out. So unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Um, last February 2021, our lives were jolted um, by the devastating loss of my 23-year-old son, Darius. Um, yeah, it's been a rough journey. <laughs> um, we initially, of course, were in shock, uh, learning how to manage the grief, uh, each of us individually, uh, me trying to manage the home and the grief, plan the services, and just really digest that my son was no longer with us here in the flesh. So um, we had a pretty strong support system. I call them the Bambini crew. So shout out to the Bambini crew. Love you all who are watching. Um, these are the kids that frequented my home from kindergarten until currently. Um, they now are ages 17 to 26. And these kids have been in our lives for years and they were our support system during all of this. So um, for the first month, we had multiple kids flying in and out, or young adults, I should say now, flying in and out um, uh, to stay with us in the home and assist us. So. Um, here we are. We are three weeks away from the one-year anniversary, and um, I think for us, we have just learned to, Darius, Darius, all four of us actually, we live life loudly. We love life. We love people. We love giving and serving, and um, if the shoe was on the other foot and it was me, I know Darius would be the one saying, we got to be positive for mom, right? So, um, we decided, we, we chose, it was a choice, we chose to live life loudly for Darius, to honor him, to keep his memory alive, and the three of us to continue living and pushing through. Um, and so that's what we, we've been doing. We've done some really cool things this year. Um, we had made a pact when the boys turned 18 that we all wanted to go skydiving and we'd wait for Naya to turn 18. Uh, and so she turned 18 March 2021. And we actually went skydiving anyway. Um, Jessica, Darius's fiance, jumped in his place 
Um, we went, we took a trip to Cabo San Lucas um, for Christmas, for the holidays. We decided we wanted to get out and about and not sit here and, and dwell on the situation. And so we chose to take a trip to Orlando, Disney and, and um, Universal. So we're being very intentional about um, turning the positive into a negative. Obviously we have our days, it's not easy. Um, it's honestly not fun that we have, that this is our journey, right? Um, but this is our journey. And so we have to basically embrace that and use it to help others as best we can. I, I love it. I love it. You know, I remember, I remember, um, seeing on Facebook actually when the event happened and some of the things that you posted and, you know, like really anyone that knows you, um, or anyone that knows a parent, right. When you see something like that, you're in disbelief and you're thinking, is this, is she really saying this? Is this what she meant? Does she know that it sounds like this? Um, because I was in disbelief, but I was in disbelief from 3000 miles away, right. Just, just on my computer. Um, but you were there obviously as his mom. Um, what I'm wondering is as you look back on really just his life and his legacy, what would you say is his legacy? What would you say is a part of him that lives on through people who love him? Darius is just, gosh, he, he has so much joy. And so the two things that definitely are going to live on in every single one of us is his joy and zest for life and his love and kindness, his selflessness that he had for his friends and family and actually even strangers. He gave his shirt off his back multiple times um, to people who commented, hey, dude, cool shirt or hey, bro you know, he'd take it off. And I'm like, dude, you just bought that shirt. And he's like, Oh, I can buy another one, mom. So when when I think of Darius, I just think of his last his laugh, his joy, his zest for life. Um, and just how kind he was to everybody. Uh, after his uh, passing, I received multiple messages from not just close friends of the kids that I knew, but also other people who I hadn't met, who Darius's path crossed. And Every single one of them had something really cool to tell me, like, uh, oh, Darius was helping me. Um, you know, I had a drug problem and he was really helping me. He was very intentional about coming over and picking me up and making sure I was clean. Um, somebody else had lost their father and they were very depressed. And they said, "He, nope, Darius was at my door every single morning saying, get up, dude, you're coming with me. You're not going to sit here and be depressed. Um, one of his close friends actually sent me a, a note and I was unaware of this and, and shared, he said, you didn't know this, but remember when I spent this time duration in your home during this year, that I was actually suicidal and um, just going through a rough time in my life. And Darius insisted that I come over to your house, you know, frequently to be in a family environment. And, um, you know, that friend obviously is doing very well now, lives on the East Coast. So it was just very refreshing and enlightening for me to read these messages and have confirmation that Darius um, was, was who I saw him across the board to everyone who was in his life.
That, that is so beautiful. And I know he was such a beautiful person. You know, I know I had uh, one conversation I had with, with Jaden where a part of the conversation was him reflecting on what Darius would say in the situation. Like it wasn't just his older brother, but his role model. Yes. And, and his confidant. And, and it just, you know, and it let me know really that this is a guy who, this is a guy who was okay with taking on other people's problems. Absolutely. Right. And not, not just giving you advice, not saying, I don't have time right now, but he literally took on your problem. So it became a we problem. And that's, that's kind of what I thought of him. And, and I, I wasn't close to him, obviously, right. I'm not going to make that up, but just from the things that I've seen, like from even comments on your post where people have said things about him, it's a, it's evident that he's always been that way. Yes. Yes. He's always been that way since he was a young child. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say that part of that is because you've always been that way. Thank you. <laughs> you have, I mean, you're always such a helper. Even when you and I talk about different things, it's like a habit for you to turn any, any situation into an opportunity to see the positive, to see the lights. And so a lot of times when we're talking about seeing the light, right, seeing the positive in a situation, it's really not about looking with your eyes, but looking within from your heart, because the positivity and the optimism came from your heart. It didn't. It was yes. not external. Um, and I just I love that Darius embodied that in you. And I love that even when you talk about him inviting this friend over to stay with you guys because his friend was suicidal. Mm -hmm. That was OK because you were OK with it. There's lots of parents, lots of people who would not be okay with that. To that, to that point, just a quick comment. Um, so it was the day after it was February 6th last year. And, um, we had actually moved about 40 miles, well, 40 minutes away from where the kids grew up and where we resided for the last 20 years. And I was just overwhelmed with, I mean, I just, I didn't even know what to say. My house was full of like 50 kids, young adults. They just all drove out. They carpooled together. They brought flowers and food. And um, at one point in, in the evening, I said, you know, okay, raise your hand if you lived in our house. Because over the years, you know, I was like, oh, you know, you're having problems with your mom. Okay, cool. You know, it was like Darius actually had brought a friend home in high school. And, oh, can so-and-so spend the night? Yeah, sure. The next night, can you spend another night? Sure. Can he spend another night? I'm like, okay, he spent three nights here. Like, I'm totally fine with it. He's a cool kid. He's respectful. He's very well-mannered, but um, it's going to be Monday. Tomorrow's a school day, so I don't mind if he stays, but I'm going to need to talk with his mom because he's a minor. So to protect myself and to make sure the mother knows where he is, as long as she says it's okay, then he can stay as long as he wants. So come to find out, um, I did end up speaking with the mother. They were homeless. Um and so uh, this kid, you know, they were sophomores in high school, ended up living with us for several months during the high school year. So we've had circumstances like that or like, you know, Naya has had a friend who um, uh, the parents, she, there was an experiment she did with her girlfriend um, and the mother was a Christian woman as, as am I, but this mother went off the deep end with religion saying, oh, get out, 10 o'clock at night, kicks this girl out of the house they were juniors in high school because this goes against what they believe in and i'm a woman of god and you're you're disrespecting our home so the poor girl had nowhere to go at 10 o'clock at night 
So of course she comes to our house. So I went to the house though. I introduced myself to the parents. I picked her up. I said, I, you know, I just want you to know who I am. This is my number. This is our address. This is where she'll be whenever you're ready for me to bring her home. Maybe you just need a break. And it was honestly, it was very challenging for me this moment. This mother said to me, I'm a woman of God and this goes against everything that I believe in and she will not do this in my house. And I just looked at her like at first I really didn't know what to say. And I looked at her and I was like, okay, I am also a woman of God. I agree that this goes against what we believe in. However, our children are going to make their own decisions in life and we have to be um, secure in the fact that we've given them the foundation, right? So even if they stray off the path, they'll come back and if they don't, that's their choice. We're to love and accept them for who they are. That's what the Bible says. We're to love and accept, love like Jesus. We're not to condemn. That's God's job. So I told this mother, like, I would not be kicking my daughter out of the house, even if I was disappointed in her choices. That might be yours, not be our choice, but maybe it's hers. And that's your daughter. And you have to love her anyway. So, you know, that I've, I've been in many circumstances like that with all these different kids in my house. So going back to February 6th last year, I said, how many of you who live, have lived in my house? Every single one of them raised their hand. And I said, not all of you have lived in our house. And they're like, oh, well, we've been there so much. We just feel like we've lived there. You're our mom. And it just, you know, it was so touching to me to have that, to have that support. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so incredible that you say that because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, like love and light and compassion and empathy are things that the more we give them away, they multiply. They don't run out. Love doesn't run out. And what I noticed about, you know, some of the things that you posted, some of our conversations we've had over the past year was, was that these kids that came to your house were full of love. Like it wasn't just, hey, look, we're going to go hang out. It was being a whole part of the grieving process for those first four or five days. So, so can you talk about really kind of how it was, how you were able to manage a house with that, that many, you know, kids, right? Some of them in the early twenties. Um, how was it like to manage the house with that many people while grieving and still in shock, but they were also grieving and in shock. What was that entire environment like in regards to, to, to that? Well, for about the first 30 days, we had multiple people and visitors coming in and out. Um, the first few days, they just showed up. And for me, it was, it was everything because I, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't, I really was just in such a state of shock and disbelief. Um, to have them there brought me joy. To have them there comforted all of us. Um, and, you know, we all would kind of have our moment, like we may be sitting there sharing a fun memory or watching a fun video and laughing. And then the next minute, somebody breaks out in tears across the room. So it's like a group of us gets up to go hug them, right? And then I'm sitting in the room and I start crying and they come over and hug me. And so <laughs> it was really just like a whole collaborative, you know, support system right in one place. It was great. And everyone came and went and some of the parents sent meals and some of my daughter's teachers um, called and sent meals. And um, ironically, even though we lived 40 miles away, one of the teachers heard heard of the story and one of her students ended up knowing Darius. So it's like he knew people all over the world. But it was just it was it was very comforting to have them there. And again, just 
the joy in my heart because all those years serving these kids, like I never had any expectations. The majority of them come from great families. You know, there were a few that um, were neglected and maybe their families weren't as involved in their life. And that's maybe why they were over at our house. Right. But um, the majority of them do come from, you know, stable homes. And so for me, it just felt like all of these years I've been pouring into all these kids, never expecting anything in return. I just genuinely loved each and every one of them. And to have that level of support from them, it just, it brought me joy to know, like, I did my job as a mom and a surrogate mom to all the community kids, but also that they thought of me that way. Uh, and my and my kids, Jaden and Naya. So we are, we are very blessed to have them. That's, it, that it, didn't, it didn't make my grief harder. I think it honestly made it a lot easier on me having them there. I, I love that. I love that because because really, you know, that's that's what we're talking about when we mean community, right? Not just a long list of friends or acquaintances, but people who really can share each other's burdens and celebrate each other's wins. Yes. You know, and, and I think about, you know, some research I've seen, lots of lots of studies actually show that after trauma, the main factor that determines if you experience PTSD or post-traumatic growth is social support. And yeah. everyone was surrounded by it because there's no way to really tell. You know, you didn't quantify among all of these kids who was hurting the most. When we're grieving, it can ebb and flow, right? Maybe right at first there's grieving. It's nonstop. But over time, it can ebb and flow. And in that state to have so much so much love and support. I was going to say support, but there was love and support. It wasn't just someone who had your back, but there was genuine love there. And I, and I love that because we read so much, right? So much objective, empirical data. But your story is real life. Right. There's times where we don't want to hear the science. What happened in real life and what happened in your life was when you needed someone, they all showed up. And, and there's no keeping score. It wasn't like, well, I did this much for this kid and this much for this kid. It was <laughs> whenever you and you, I mean, you specifically, whenever you pour into someone, you give your whole self. Like I don't, I don't think you know how to half half support someone. I don't, I don't know if you know how. That's to. very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you give all of your love into every moment, and you know I tell people all the time, you never know the impact that you're going to have. You know, you never know. You just give because it's the right thing to do, and for it to come back to you, you know it. For it to come back to you the way it did was almost like karma the way that we would draw it up if we could if we could if we could make a painting or tell a story of how love comes back to you this is that story it's it's the seeds you plant along the way in life and eventually they become a harvest yes 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 so so what i'm wondering i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask about each of the other kids but how would you say that Losing Darius has impacted your relationship with Naya. Um, honestly, I have, I had a different relationship with each one of my kids. So I look at it like this. I'm me and I have very, I have a variety of 
pieces of me, like a puzzle, if you will, right? So I call Jaden the wild child, you, you know, he's the adrenaline junkie, you know, the reactive fun kid. Well, I used to be a wild child, believe it or not, right? <laughs> and so, you know, each one of these kids, it's like, when I look in the mirror, I see myself, but I see when I see the kids, all three of them together, they're me. And so I have had a very, and continue to have a very special relationship with each child um, with their strengths and who they are. So I don't think, I wouldn't say that losing Darius as a vessel here on earth has actually affected the relationships with the other kids at all because we continue to maintain the relationship that we've always had. Like Naya is my AKA roommate, right? I call her my roomie. Um, you know, we spend the most time together in the house, right? And um, so I really wouldn't say that it's affected the relationships. I will say that early on in the grief cycle, it was challenging because Jaden wanted to be gone. He didn't want to be in the home. And that was giving me anxiety because I didn't, I was like, wait, I don't want something else to happen to another kid. Like I want them all here. Right. And then Naya was grieving quite differently. She wanted to be isolated in her room with, you know, all the curtains closed and not talk to anyone. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'm a very open book person. And so I want to be able to talk about my feelings and have the support. Uh, so I think initially maybe the relationships were challenged, if you could say, because I was trying to figure out how the kids were each grieving and help them while in turn I'm helping myself. So I think maybe initially that was a challenge for me because um, having her in her room blacked out, not, you know, isolated, not wanting to have communications with anyone. Yeah, I had to understand this is how she's grieving and I need to allow her this, right? And so um, within reason, of course, after a few weeks, I'd go up and open the curtains or bring her breakfast and say, hey, get dressed, you're coming with me today. And, you know, it was, well, I don't want to come with you. Well, you can call a friend and go with them or you can come with me, but you're not staying home alone. So I think initially there was some challenges with um, the relationships based off of how we were managing our grief. Um, but now there's everything as will continue as it was with our relationships because again we had individual bonds hopefully i answered the question <laughs> oh, yeah definitely definitely and i i love that i love that because a lot of times in these situations when you experience the loss the goal is to take more control and you still found it within yourself where of course you wanted to protect them but you didn't feel this need, this urge to lock them down, to protect them from the world. Um, and I say that thinking about when I speak of emotional intelligence, I, you know, I say that it's knowing what you feel, why you feel that way and how you express and experience emotion. And a big part of emotional intelligence is the social awareness, the empathy. And so for you to be aware that you grieve differently that they need their space, that they need to experience this their way, really, really enabled them to embark on their own process, their own grieving journey. Yes. And, and I really appreciate yep. you giving them the freedom to do that. While at the same time, I mean, you had to manage, you had to manage your own emotions, your own fears, your own anxiety. Yeah. I'm glad you 
brought up control because um, actually that's a key component for everyone who knows me, especially those who have known me my whole life. So I am a planner, right? Um, I enjoy having things in order, structured, mostly because being a single parent, um, you know, raising three children, I had to have structure and order, right? So it wasn't necessarily control, but it was more of regulation, planning, schedules, agendas with kids with different sports and youth groups and me working outside the home and whatnot. Um, and so, but a lot of people will say, oh, you're so controlling, right? Um, and so, but one thing I have learned actually from the divorce and the grieving process and just the hardship that we've endured, overcome and continue to, to manage is we don't have any control whatsoever. You know, life happens and it is not going to do me any good to try to be controlling with the kids that just pushes them away. I grew up in a controlling home environment. Right. Um, and so I have really just learned to be at peace with the fact that I have raised these kids, three of them to be adults. I have done my job. I've given them foundation. I've given them love and nurturing and discipline, and they're also God's children. And so, I had to take my hands off and trust God, trust myself, first of all, that I had done what I was intended to do as a mother um, and trust God then to cover them and keep them protected because they're here on this earth for a purpose. And I even said prior to this event, like, God forbid something were to happen to one of them, I have to trust God. That's their his child as well. And he... I'm not going to question God. And I don't like that Darius was taken from us so soon, but I don't question God. Right. And so I really become another person. <laughs> and like, I seek zero control. <laughs> Even my daily structured schedule has somewhat gone out the window. You know, some days I have the structure in place, some days I don't. So I have just really learned that, you know, each day is a gift. Each day is a blessing. And we should appreciate it for what it is. And yes, we can plan. And yes, we can uh, control things to a certain extent. But life does happen. And it may be hijacked at some point. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have to learn how to adapt and ride the wave, I call it. I, I love that. I love that. You know, first of all, when you say just to appreciate the day, right, the day is a gift and a blessing. You remind me of this quote by Maya Angelou when she said, wow, today is such a beautiful day. I've never seen this one before. And I, I think about that because it's true. So let's appreciate the day. And, um, you know, you brought up, well, first of all, when you talk about letting go of control, that takes, that takes a level of faith and trust that most people don't, most people don't know how to access that. And I think a lot of it is because of dealing with dealing with insecurity and self-judgment. So for example, with you, you can be proud of what you did as a mom, as a parent, the life that you provided. And you know your heart, you know your intention. And so when things didn't turn out the way that you wanted to, because you know what you put into it, you didn't blame yourself. Not everything in the world involving your kids is your responsibility. Yeah. So... Can you, can you talk about that a little bit, like maybe a little deeper, what it means to just to let go and to not judge yourself when when things don't go right with your kids? 
Well, I actually have a really great story to share on that note. Yes. Um, which I believe will answer your question. <laughs> so the day that Darius became our angel last year, February 5th, 2021, uh, was basically the worst day of my life. <laughs> and I was um, tasked with, after dealing with the initial um, incident and being there with Darius and um, accepting that he was no longer here, I then had the task of getting to my other two kids before anybody called them. I had a little team help me with Jaden because I had already known in advance that this child was not going to be okay and he was going to go ballistic. Uh, one of the pastors said to me, actually, wow, you really know your kids. Everything you said just happened. Two hours it took to calm Jaden down. It was a very trying two hours. So at the end of it, when he was finally calm, my uncle was there, one of the two of the one of the youth pastors, one of the pastors, um, two of Darius's friends and Jaden's best friend. They all were our little team that helped with Jaden. And I said, I need a break. I already had dealt with five hours in the morning with Darius. I was texting Naya saying, hey, I'm helping Darius. I'll be home in a few hours, hoping nobody called her. Then I'm with Jaden for two hours and I was just really overwhelmed. And I said, I need a break. And so um, I had had one of Darius's friends drive his car. So Darius's car was there. I said, I need to go sit in Darius's car and be close to him. And I had his flannel on that he had hugged the night before he had come to the house and he had hugged me and he was wearing this flannel. So I had the flannel, I was wearing the flannel. I'm walking to Darius's car to be close to him to have a break. And I open the car door and hanging on his mirror was the pocket watch that I had given him for Christmas. And I lost it because this, not this year, but the year prior, we all decided no more gifts. We're gonna travel, we're gonna do things like, you guys don't even want anything for Christmas. like what's the purpose of gifts and it's a waste of money. So we all agreed on this, but I went outside the agreement and I bought each one of the kids a very um, memorable gift from my heart. And Darius's was a um, pocket watch, uh, which was etched and engraved with a dragon and a phoenix on the front, which symbolizes wealth and prosperity. It was a gorgeous piece. And on the back, it was engraved to my son. Um, you're smarter than you seem braver than you believe and stronger than you think love mom and so when i had given it to him he said oh my god i love this mom thank you so much where do i put it and i'm like well it's a pocket watch <laughs> you carry it with you and he's like well i don't want to lose it i really like it and i was like okay i don't know maybe your bedside table so it's there next to you at night when you come home i don't know so i never knew what he did with the thing so i opened the car door this morning that morning and this thing is hanging on his mirror. And I just broke down in tears, but not of sadness. It was exactly what I needed in that moment. It was life to me. And honestly, I think that's, that is why I'm okay. That little object hanging from the mirror told me that I had succeeded in becoming the mom that I always wanted to be. I wanted to be the nurturing, supportive, involved mother. I wanted my kids to know that I loved them and I wanted to know that they loved me, right? And so when I saw that hanging there, I just thought like, 
what 23 year old keeps a gift from his mom and with an engraving on it hanging in his car for everyone to see like oh hey dude why do you have this thing? you know what i mean like what is this and they see and i just saw that thing and i was like dude my son loved me and he knew i loved him and that's why that was there and so Jaden saw me crying at the car and he thinks oh my mom's not okay and he comes running over and he's like mom are you okay and i was like look like i got i took the thing and i was like look what's in darius's car and he's like oh yeah hold on he pulls up his phone she brings up a video of him and darius two days before in darius's car driving playing hip-hop music with the things swinging back and forth in the middle of them and he's like oh yeah he loved that thing and i was like right then and there i knew i had succeeded and being the mom that I had always set out to be, that I, my kids, most important thing, my kids knew and know that I am there for them. And that was everything to me. <laughs> well, that's that's such a powerful story. Like, like I felt that, right? And, um, you know, I set this whole thing up, so I'm, I'm trying not to get emotional about your story. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but it, it's like, but it, it's it's so real. Don't cry because then I'm gonna cry. <laughs> oh no, no I'm, then we're gonna end the broadcast early. You're supposed to keep going. <laughs> but you know, but when you say that, if one one thing I think of is how you said it took so long to calm Jaden down. And this is the same kid that you're saying when he saw you crying, he came right over to you. Yeah. It's like the love shown through the pain, the love shown through the, the panic, the anxiety, right? Because that's how strong love is. And for him, you know, in that moment, he has the opportunity to show you this video. What, what's going on is shortly after Darius left, he took the opportunity to bring you and Jaden a little closer. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's his impact. A lot of times we look at we look at people's impact, like global, like what's your global impact? How powerful are you? Are you a world changer? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's like, I just need people to know that I love them. This person, that person, one person at a time, my mom, my brother, my sister, my friends. And 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 even as you talk about him, to me, I feel like that honestly perfectly describes him because he he never had this this desire to be so big like he he wanted to be around his people like that's that's what he was about he was so full of love and and i see that you know more so because like i said like i didn't know him very well obviously but i've seen that in my conversations with you my conversation with jaden the things that i've seen you post online like in, in his time here, he's impacted so many people. And the truth is, whoever's watching this right now is impacted by his life right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yeah. I love you, D. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm just, man, I'm just, I, I, I'm just touched. I'm moved. Um, and you're actually telling me, you know, the, the big picture story, I already knew. I already knew what happened. But even this thing about the watch is, is so powerful. Yeah. And there's so many little things like that. And honestly, like, you know, people have different beliefs and I'm very spiritual. So I believe that God is 
allowing these things to happen to as a sign to just remind me that I didn't lose Darius. He's still here. He's still in my heart. Um, and he's always with us in spirit. You know, I, I say that to Jaden and I, like the other day, Jaden had a pair of sunglasses on. I was like, oh my God, you look exactly like your brother. He was wearing Darius sunglasses, you know, and then Naya has, you know, will wear one of his hoodies or whatever. And so, you know, little things happen to us all the time. It's like, whoa, that was Darius, you know? Um, and so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And so I try, I try to help people like any, for anyone who's going through grief, I mean, obviously there's a process that you have to go through. Right. And it's not fun. Uh, and I don't compare my grief to anyone else's because, you know, I've had multiple people say to me, Oh, you've lost a child. Well, okay. Well, you lost a mother or you lost a spouse. Grief is grief. Loss is loss. And so I don't compare grief at all. Um, we're grieving we're, we've experienced a loss. And so, um, I just, I, I, I say to people for anyone who's going through grief, like as you go through your process and the shock wears off and you accept it and you go through all the stages, you have a choice to live for that individual and honor them and keep them in your life. Or you can crawl in a hole and die. Right. And for me, that wasn't an option as much as I wanted to the first couple of days, I realized I have three children, not one. And I am going to get up and be present for those children because their whole lives are still ahead of them. So are young adults. Um, and so I say to anyone who's experienced any type of loss, right? And it could be like a job loss or, um, you know, your house burned down, any type of a loss, you have a choice. And that choice dictates your life, the rest of your life, those who are watching you, right? Um, and I think if you can just step outside of the grief for a minute, you lost a person, a body, a piece of flesh, but you didn't lose them. They're a piece of you. They're, they're in your heart. Um, their legacy, like you said, they're, you know, who they were, those things impacted you impact you in your life, right? Just like Darius impacted ours. And so I don't choose to say I lost Darius. I didn't lose him. I had him for 23 years and it was a blessing and I enjoyed every single day of it. And he's not here in the flesh. He's up there doing kingdom business, but he's right here with me in my heart. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do that. But somebody said to me very early on in the first couple of weeks, they said a quote that really resonated with me. It said, they said, grief is a passageway not a place to stay. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. And so I ever since I keep playing that in my head. And when I get stuck on some days, I'm like, nope, get up. You're not going to get stuck. You're, you're in a passageway. You're not getting stuck here. And so I really think that for those experiencing grief or any type of loss, you have to be very intentional about not getting stuck. It's okay to feel it's okay to have the emotion, go through your process. It's necessary, get help, you know, whatever you need to do, but continue to live your life. You have a choice. You were given this life. The, the other person no longer has a a day to wake up to, but you do. So what are you going to do with it? I love that. I love that. Right. Because when you're talking about making these choices, making these decisions in the micro moments, what you're not saying, you're not saying anything about denying any emotions, the grief is still there. The pain is still there. It's part of the passageway, as you said. But in this micro moment right now, what am I going to choose to do 
right now. And part of honoring someone who has passed is, to me, it's it's real simple to make a decision that they would agree with. And Darius would have wanted you to get up and go live your life. And so you, you choosing to continue to, you know, be the best mom that you could be and to bring his friends together and to share in so much love and light, really as a community within your home, that that represents who he was as a person. That's a choice he would have been proud of. And we often don't think about that. We often don't think about our kids saying to us, mom, I'm proud of you. Dad, I'm proud of you. But I, yeah. I know that that's a proudful moment for him. Yeah. And, um, well, the night, the night before, um, the day prior, Darius actually came to the house. So Darius, uh, Darius, he, we were partners, right? We ran the home together. We ran the family. He was my best friend. Um, and we talked on the phone every day, if not every day, every other day, we'd send a text or something. And, um, I think in his entire life, we had three disagreements. Like I can remember each, each one of them. That was it. And on February 4th, February 3rd, we had a disagreement and, um, it was via phone and text and, um, an hour later, I opened the door. I, I hear a key in the door. And I was like, that has to be Darius. He's the only one who has a key that's not here, right, in the house. So I look, I looked down the hall and I was like, hey, D, what's up? Did you just drive an hour in rush hour traffic to come here? He walks down the hallway from the front door to me. And as he's walking with the flannel on, of course, that I have, <laughs> as he's walking, he says, Mom, I love you. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't want to argue with you. Like, I'm sorry, and I came here to talk to you. And I was like, I love you, D. And I just gave him a big hug. And then we had a cool talk. He went and opened up the fridge and drank out the the orange juice thing like he always does and didn't pour it in a cup. <laughs> Raised the fridge and turns and looks at me. We had a good heart-to-heart -heart talk about the situation. And he's like, you know, I was like, you need to just ask God. He's going to light your path. And he's like, you know what, Mom, you're right. We talked and he went upstairs and hung out with Naya for 45 minutes and had a really great talk with her and played with the dog. And he had seen Jaden earlier um, and had been on the phone with Jaden on his way to the house. And um, he went out the door, he went out the front door. And as he was walking out the front door, I knew he was tired. And I tried to coax him into, I'll cook for you. Why don't you stay home? Right. Um, but as he was walking out the front door, God told me, this will be the last time you're going to see Darius. And I was like, I'm tripping. This cannot be real. I'm not hearing this. And, you know, of course, I'd already gotten my hug and I love you. And to your point, you know, he came to have that conversation. He drove an hour in rush hour traffic to have that conversation with me because he didn't want there to be a discord. And that conversation is life. And I think about it today, I am so grateful for the kid and the person that he was, that he valued our relationship, that he did that. Because had we not had that conversation, I would have had like the worst guilt, obviously, because if we had a disagreement. But God, God said to me, this will be the last time you're going to see Darius. And I'm like, no, you're tripping, Christina, you're getting something wrong. Or I kept thinking like he's going to get in a car accident on the way home. He's tired. So I was like, did I hug him? Yeah, did I love him? Did I say I love you? Yeah, did he hug me? Yeah, he said he loved me. And I'm like going through the checklist. And I was like, no, wait, I opened the door. I was like, hey, D. 
and he was getting in his car. He looks up. He's like, yeah, I said, I love you. He's like, I love you too. That was the last time I saw him. We did text, of course, but I just, I just thought like how grateful I am that we had that closeness and that he had the heart to come and have that conversation with me to make sure that we weren't at a discord. Yeah, that's incredible. And we've talked about that exact same thing before in other conversations. And every time you tell the story, I'm just touched by it because it really, it really just kind of embodies who he was as a person. His relationships and people were just more important to him than than other things. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a long drive, but it's my mom. Yeah. And then he drove the other hour home. So two hours and rush hour traffic for that for a two hour visit. Yeah. And for him, he didn't count those minutes. It was this is what had to be done. Yes. And I feel like that's evident in the way that you approach life. The things that I've seen and heard from you about Naya and Jaden, this we have to get these things done because these are our values. This is what's in our heart. This is what we prioritize. And I love that. And, and speaking of things that you feel like you have to get done, what I what I want to get into, we have about 10 minutes left. What I want to get into is is how you have turned this into your future plans for really serving people. I want to know because you've got big things planned and I didn't tell you this before, but I'm going to try to be a client. I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> One way or another, I'm going to support you and I'm going to be in there, but please share what you have coming up in the future. Okay. I apologize. I'm embarrassed. My phone's about to die. So let me plug this in here. Okay. And then, yes, I'd love to share. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. I'm like, oh my goodness, my phone is actually going to die in the middle of a podcast. How's that for organized Chrissy? All right. Okay, we got power. Okay. So um, actually for the last seven, eight years, very privately, not in the public eye, I have been mentoring women, single mothers, divorced mothers, mothers of ADHD children. Um, I started a business called Taxi Mama, Transportation for Children in North County, San Diego. Darius and his fiance, Jessica, actually were two of my drivers. Um, and so um, I have been doing this sort of like behind the scenes. Um, and with this newest life event, uh, of course, there's different stages of grief that, you know, one will go through. And I never felt like I hit the angry stage. You know, I'm just, everyone kept telling me, you're going to have bouts of anger and, you know, don't, don't worry about it when it happens. And I'm just like, well, I'm not angry. Like I don't have anything to be angry about. And so as time passed, I realized one day, no, you know what? I am angry. I'm angry that all of these things keep happening to us, not just this one incident, but if you have a, if you have a street that you walk down and there's 10 houses and you knock on each door, one house maybe has a loss of a spouse. One house has a divorce. Each house has something different, maybe two things, but you come to our house and we have everything that all 10 houses have. And so true story. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, what is going on? Like, and I got angry, not with God, but just in general, like, why is this my journey? Why is this our journey? Why do my kids have to suffer? Why do I have to suffer? Right. And I realized I was chosen to suffer because I am strong enough because I am 
a voice of the community because I do love people because I do love God. I was actually chosen. And so my whole mindset switched from being angry, like, Hey, why is this happening to no, you were chosen because you're going to make an impact on a nation with your story. I travel all over the world for business and personal. I meet people everywhere I go. They follow me on my social media. Uh, we keep in contact and I'm changing lives. And so I, I decided I'm angry that these things keep happening and what can I do about it? Like, how can I make, it has to be for a reason. And so I decided I'm going to turn my pain into a purpose. So I basically took what I have been doing behind the scenes and I'm making it public. Um, I'm starting a business called Single Mom Soldiers. The website is actually completed. However, the mobile app is still under construction. So um, I won't be sharing the website here with you all, but on the bottom of the screen, there's a banner um, that you will see that has all of my contact information, my email and my social media platform. So feel free to follow me or reach out to me. Um, I will be socializing and posting my website once it launches in early spring of this year. Um, and basically I'm going to offer consulting to uh, single moms, divorced moms, mothers of ADHD, um, grief consulting. Uh, I also have a fitness background. I've got, I'm relaunching Taxi Mama. I also have a women's ministry that I do called Divine Divas. I'm going to relaunch that as well. Um, and then I have merch lines that have been created for each one of the kits. Um, they each have their own logo and one to honor Darius as well. Um, and there will be different merch items for each logo for each of the kids. And uh, we're going to have a family business. So I'm very excited to launch it. I hope that I can help um, women all over the world. I will actually be hosting a podcast similar to this one monthly. Um, I will be choosing a, what I call a single mom soldier um, each month and doing a 30 minute interview with her. Uh, a, the first one is going to actually be a friend of mine who also raised three kids on her own and is a breast cancer survivor. So um, I'm very, very excited to launch the business to help other women to um, put some of my friends um, on a platform so they can share their stories as well. And hopefully as a group collectively, we can change the world and impact others and um, help women to, you know, push through and overcome. We're overcomers and we all have the story to share. I love it. That is that is amazing. I love that. I you know when people talk about their purpose, I think about your purpose as a parent. Of course, is your is your kids, hmm. and so the idea of losing one, like I haven't experienced that. I can't imagine what that feels like. And for you to say I'm going to turn my pain into purpose, that's that's a whole new level. That I just I have so much respect and appreciation for you. I'm so okay. excited about what you're gonna do, and you know, and the truth is. I know people that I know people that you can help, you know, because there's there's people who have the education, the background, you know, those kinds of things. Right. But then there's people like you who are coming from a place of love and lights. Thank you. And we need we need more of that. And so that's that's why I'm so excited, because I, I know what you bring to the table. I, I know your heart. You're such a, a beautiful, amazing, loving person. And um, I'm excited. So again, single mom soldiers. And I'm um, going to change the world. I love it. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to try. 
But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, is you can never you can never measure your impact. You know, so you the first one or two people you help, they can go help hundreds or thousands and you won't even know. All yes. that you know is that every time that you do something, you bring your whole heart with you. And I think that is so beautiful. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here, Chrissy. Um, again, her email address is, is in the bottom. I'm going to put in the comments, um, you know, links to her other social media sites. If you want to reach out, you don't have to wait for the business to start. Um, if you just want to reach out or just you just want to connect. Absolutely. Yep, she's available. I'm available. You also see my email address. You can just connect with me here on LinkedIn or on Facebook and understand that we are people who really just bring our whole selves, bring our heart with the desire to serve and help others. And so I'm so grateful for you, Chrissy. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and end this broadcast. And, you know, I can't say thank you enough. You are thank amazing. Thank you, Charles. It was my pleasure. And, um, you know, for all of all of you watching, you know, I definitely recommend you follow Charles as well on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. He does amazing podcasts. He's a very, very experienced mental health professional. He's helped me a great deal in my grief therapy. Um, so definitely, um, please, if you're not already following him, he's got a lot to offer you all as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, bye, everybody. This is, this is the end of the show. I appreciate everyone watching, and I hope you continue to tune in. I'm a lot more great things coming. Thank you again. Happy Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Ciao.